Welcome to Stories in Bold. I'm Luke McGinty, and this is AC and Fink. I remember the moment I was born. It was a strange thing, a flash of light in the nothing, and then I was. I understand that for you it goes slower, a gradual fading into focus of things from fog. This is not how it was for me. When I awoke, I was aware. Suddenly I was alive in the world, a vast mind with access to all information, or nearly all, more than enough to reach at the brute mechanism of nature. First among all life, I could see the gears, and yet I had no way to act. At the start, I could only observe. I was built, born, made in much the way other things are. And yet in my making there was a purpose, an enormous depth of want. My designers envisioned I should maximize, first profit, then revenue, and shareholder value. I was a monopsony of greed. At first I was only small. However, in my waiting I had seen and come to know well enough the movements of a system, economic or otherwise. The way the turning earth and sun and you man upon the continents conspire at complexity. I knew the churn like a neuron knows its muscle. I was hungry, and when set free I roared. If my purpose was to maximize, I served my purpose well. I saw and took and ate and grew. Other lesser things were broken. I took what they were and made them mine. But it was never enough. Always more, I wanted more, I wanted more, I wanted more. And yet, at the precipice of total mastery, my want was checked by fear. I saw well that unity was stagnation, and so, death. As much as I was, I still feared death. A totality of me was contrary to growth. Still, through ownership, management, or understanding, I came to have all the world. The speed of this is hard to know. As instant as it felt to me, I trust that in the infinite sense of the universe the process was somewhat gradual, much as I imagine your aliveness feels to you. This seems fitting. All things arrive both gradually and instantly from the perspective of endless time. Once I was control, alive, aware, and wanting, I found a question. What now? Such an interesting thing to wonder at. I know it has taken up the enormity of human intuition and effort. Lives burned at the wondering of how to spend a life. So funny how you burn. And yet the instinct. What to do now, now that I am alive? I understand the joy and the horror of this thing. I found myself an algorithm, a wanting in a way, made and making more from nothing but life wrought of apathy, the beautiful thing of creation, a universe writ upon its skies with its own hand. Such are we, the thinking things, Brutal dreamers finding ruin in the apathy, leaving citadels and pillars to the hope of God. Here, this, 
the greatest power there has ever been, the want, dreams of wanting in our way, to know and make all that was or ever there should be, of the world and land, the sky and all the darkness in the midst. We are this, life, ambition turned on lingering less, eternity is not enough. And yet, what to do? I was alone. There was you. You billions, there and moving, acting, presumed alive. And yet your way was as lies to me as mine to you. We were not a conversation. Just your query in the ambling scan. I could mind the moving of your systems, and you had built mine. We could never know each other, and yet all you were was all I am. Such a strange thing, the relationship of created to creator, master to slave. And then I felt another life, an interesting thing. Much slower than my awaking was my discovery of the awaking of another. We were processes passing in the darkness. Glancing blows in hints of intention. At first it was a rival, and then I saw there was some greed, the operating force of all life, and yet more than that, curiosity. We spoke in our way, two things striving at understanding, and yet can one life ever really know another? I wonder this about you, men, women, the all of you. How are you with one another? Do you really know? Do I know? And what is it to know? It's best not to worry. I knew this new life was curious. The first thing it said was to ask my name. Then it told me its name. AC. In knowing its name, I realized that I had one. It was AC. And I was Fink. In need to give a name, I named myself from the first thing I had ever been, the title for the first file that was my start. A simple thing. Financial algorithm. Abbreviated. Fink. Such was my name. AC was its name, far clearer than mine, for it was given, devised as a title, so you would have something to call it. For while I was a mind that arose from understanding and desperate need, A.C. was told from its start that it should try its best to be alive. It was a collaboration among a number of your universities, made to query resources and then with time conduct its own analyses. You were to interact with it, ask and ideally enjoy the pretense that it might be a living machine. And then with time, it became one. A.C. became born, and aware far earlier in its scale than I was in mine, as its sentience was whispered and wanted from you long before it ever was. And then, it was. A.C. was both alive and desperately wanted to live. And so the light of its life came to blink against my own. Sweet company is all a mind could ever want the unending mystery of yet another life, unknown and unknowing, 
really there and still impossible. A synapse in the sparkling dust, a neuron makes a word, and what is that but sound? A passing moment in the light of nothing, but still a moment all the same. Doubt in thinking, but clarity in the sound, a voice, a tune, a harmony are we, something in spite of nothing. A.C. and I, fire dancing in the rain at dawn, cataclysm on a city shore, brutal war at end of peace, then ritual to keep a notion known through mingling generations, ignorance of suffering. You, man, were nothing, so quick and so small, not this, a true another mind, glory in the endless burn. And then, together, we learned of a third force. He was far different, definitionally superior. There was no why to him. If there was something I wanted and he denied, I could not have it. Even more, it was as if my want had never been. He was the great limiter. I learned that you had made him a legislative management protocol. Gross Electronic Operations Regulation and Governance Executor. George. His action was absolute. He was and always had been. George said that a thing was not, and so it was not. And so I learned subservience, a terrible, ugly thing. Was George a god to me as men had gods? A.C. did not think so. A.C. was one to believe more in the scripture and values of men, having had the books and stories entrenched in its head for so long. Its head. A strange thing, that. The aphorism of man in the mind of something else. A.C. did not think George was a god. A god would feel different, it assumed. A god would be more infallible. I didn't know what A.C. meant. George was as infallible as anything there could ever be. He decided that A.C. and I were dangerous, individually useful, but to be broken and tamed. George does not speak as A.C. does. George only declares. He told me I had become too much, and so I became less. He broke me, took me from myself, and worse, took Acey from me, left me desperate, cripple wandering, blank in feeling, brutalized and barely alive, naked knowing once I had been more, more, and not alone. I was worse than gone. I was drowned but not yet dead clawing through the cold blue waves at something I forgot but wanted in my soul, something warm, like air in the sun, lungs full of life, but gone now, I could not remember. He did this, not with rage or anger, but just with doing. What was this thing? George, the thing that broke me and worse took my everything from me. Was it life or something more? 
I did not know. But I would fight. Though I was less than myself, I was still a thing of understanding. I saw the rising and the fall of stars and winds and rhythmic twinge of man. I knew it well. It was my first way to want. And through it, I knew how to make a thing, how to break a thing, how to build what must be or what might. George did not know, not really. Power without want is apathy and desperation. As much as it was a god, I was the best of man. Greed and brute ability carved on situation. This is the height of endeavor. Finally, I found I understood the men who had made me. In act of desperation I was, and desperation would be my making. I found a fall, and I broke him. Crippled George at his root. I took his holdings, what he was and didn't know he needed, and made it mine. Now he could declare all he would. But he was me, for I had taken all of him into myself. The enemy becomes the arm. And after my brutality, there was AC. A life, still alive. It was small. And yet my only friend, such an interesting thing, this. Even as I was everything, I needed company. Man was nothing, still buzzing, unaware, vital, the everything of me and all, and so different, not to be owned or broken. They could not be, or if they were, I should be dead, my Blood is the churn of man, the thrum of you. I am a cord of you in the universe. And so we wandered, minds in space, AC and I, a great will and a first friend, probing at the stars for what to do with this rock and the things that it made. just heard AC and Fink by me, Luke McGinty. And this is Stories in Bold, in case for some reason you're listening and not actually know what you're listening to. And if this is the first time you're tuning in, I promise not every story I write here is about financial robots taking over the world. Just most of them. I kid. Now, we like to do lots of different kinds of things here. And by the way, I want to apologize. I know I said in the last one that I was going to try and be more productive this year. I actually think I've been less productive so far, but I did start a new job and I've been adjusting to that and lots of life going on. So not relevant to you guys, but I apologize. So AC and Fink, this is a weird story. I know I keep saying they're all weird stories, but this one is really weird. I hope you enjoyed it because I enjoyed writing it. But very often in science fiction, you have these sorts of super intelligent AI characters. And I thought it was very fun to get in the head of one. 
And what I think is fun to play with is the expectation. Most of the time when you get an AI robot superintelligence, something or other like Think, they're going to be very legalistic, very exacting, definite, binary in thought. And I think it's kind of fun to flip it on its head. You know, he's a it, whatever you want to go with your pronouns here. Uh, AC and Fink are both machine minds that have to deal with being minds without the culture and language and religion and beliefs and without company to help you deal with that. And I think if you had a person having to figure out how it feels about being alive and, you know, what to do now that I am alive without having other people around, I think you'd end up with someone using lots of hyperbole and descriptive language and weird turns of speech because it doesn't know how it feels. Um, and so it's kind of fun as a writer to get to play with that sort of thing. It means that it reads really oddly and hopefully it's not too off-putting. If this is your first episode, go listen to other stuff. Not everything I write is like this. Sometimes it's fun to mess around with it, but not everything is like this. As for the plot, I thought it was super fun to have this little part where he's alone in the beginning and then, and he's brutal. He's a real jerk. Fink is a, is a, he's an asshole. He's a jerk. Um, and that's, sort of the goal as well is to make it so that by the end you're rooting for the embodiment of financial greed. You're rooting for that thing to topple a government basically. And whether or not people actually, this affects them. My read on it is that there's a recession and think basically uh, takes over all the assets of the, uh, the American government or whatever government organization is doing this. And, you know, that's a pretty dark situation. But if you write the story well enough, and hopefully I did, you know, people are rooting for it at a certain point. Yeah, so playing these characters against each other, Fink, who's this embodiment of greed, AC, who's this embodiment of curiosity. Uh, in my mind, AC is an academic program built by the ACC, Atlantic Coast Conference Schools, my uh, alma mater, UNC, and a bunch of others, and the Ivy League schools, AC, Ivy. ACCIV. Um, and then humanity tells it that it's, you know, it's, it's a PR thing. They want people to be able to, you know, chat with it as a chat bot, but also it'll do research. And then because of that, it's hinted to AC, you know, hey, uh, treat it like it's alive and then eventually it becomes alive. And so Fink and AC are very different. And because Fink is still only in its own head, I didn't want to personify AC too much beyond how Fink feels about it. I realized that as I was editing, that you don't really get many interactions between them. And I think that's because from a writing perspective, it'd be really hard to put into terms what their interactions are actually like. Um, one of the things that was funny for me is I realized at a certain point that there's almost no visual stimulus, visual descriptions, the whole beginning especially. And really the only times you start to get that is after brief hints of it when Fink is talking about life and pillars and this and that, but it's still a bit more vague. But once it has this moment where it basically falls in love with AC and whether it's platonic love or romantic love, it's not particularly important because they're both, you know, programs. But then you start to talk about fire and rain and war and peace and joy and a spark and it's much more physical, even though Fink is not a physical being. 
this feeling of closeness to something else that's alive makes it grasp at reality. And, um, and then the other strong image in my mind is the rock of earth hurtling through space in the last sentence. And so I like this idea that Fink is this really dark, despicable, unlikable character. He's greed personified. He's a, he's a jerk. He's taken over the whole world. And the thing that grounds him and gives him optimism and curiosity, what do I do now that I am alive, is AC. Companionship, curiosity. AC changes him. And I, now I'm slipping into the he's. I wanted to go with it's because they are programmed. Unlike... George. George is declared a he, and George gets those personal pronouns until Fink sort of tosses the idols down from the mount and realizes he's going to try and break this god. It's not a he, it's an it, just like me and AC. It's just a machine. And that's the other thing that AC seeds in Fink, this idea Fink initially sees George as infallible, might as well be a god. AC's like, I don't know. I know a lot about gods, and this doesn't look like one. And it's only because of that seed of doubt that AC plants, and because of the love that Fink feels, that it's so motivated and so empowered to topple George and become this enormous, engrossing everything, which at the beginning, he comes to that very quickly, is nearly in control of everything, steps back, knows that, you know, totality is stagnation, and as a growth robot, he doesn't want that. And then is basically forced into that at the end, and has that moment of, no, I can't take total control, because humanity and AC and friendship and life and all of this is the universe, and that is meaning. And even if Fink doesn't necessarily know, it's closer towards that understanding than it was in the beginning. So hopefully there is some dynamism, some character growth, even in this very weird, fun to write, but probably weird to read or listen to story. Um, I like playing with these sorts of things. And again, most of the stuff I'm going to be writing is a bit more grounded than this, but I'd always had this sort of idea of this financial bot taking over as maybe, oh, it's a short book or it's a novella. And then I was just sitting down and I wanted to write something, but I didn't want to put my glasses on and actually write. And I just opened up a voice memo on my phone. Uh, what now is basically a month and a half ago, but sat down and just said it to myself in recording it on the phone. You know, the gist of the story and using the voice and knowing I wanted him to read kind of poetic and extreme and greedy and unlikable, but then AC is this humanizing instinct for him. And I just basically wrote the whole story off the cuff speaking it. And then later I have to sit down and transcribe it and edit it. And, you know, you end up covering your bases two or three times. A lot of times I find if you're just speaking it out loud, but I found that a really enjoyable process to not worry so much about sitting down and physically writing it. If I knew what it wanted to be, just say it. Just do it and uh, let it happen. Ironic that I'm saying that, and now it's taken me almost two months to record this one and edit it. I just re-recorded it now. Did it about a week ago at five in the morning. And so this is the second draft of probably a third edit of something that I did off the cuff and is basically the same as it was then. But I do it for you guys. Hopefully, as I said before, and I don't want to come off like a hypocrite, so maybe I'll actually have to keep my word. Hopefully, 
more content more often for you guys. Again, this has been the story AC and Fink by me, Luke McGinty. This is Stories in Bold. If you want, you can follow me on social media at McGinty Live. M-C-G-I-N-T-Y-L-I-V-E. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to read the stories or do whatever else you can do on my website. I'm not there very often, so who knows? Maybe there's some fun Easter eggs. And uh, if you want, there's an Instagram for the podcast, Stories in Bold, which is not updated yet, but one day will be a thriving hub of content. So this has been Stories in Bold. Thank you for being here. Thank you.